Hi, and welcome to Real Talk with Rachel, with my wife, Rachel Gilbert. Did you know that God has a unique call on your life? But things like fear, insecurities, and lies keep us from experiencing God's best. This podcast will consist of real talk about real life with real people. We pray that every episode brings you one step closer to your original design so you can confidently pursue your God-given dreams. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and in case you are a new listener, that awesome radio voice you hear in the introduction is my husband. He was the one who encouraged me to start this podcast, so I wanted his voice to be heard too. Speaking of new listeners, I love this recent iTunes review from Miss Suarez. I'm a new listener, and I already have felt God speak to me through the two episodes I listened to. Definitely going to make time to binge listen to past episodes. So thank you so much to those who have left those reviews. They mean the world to me, and they keep me going on those days that I want to quit. As you heard in the introduction, one of the biggest reasons I started this podcast was to help you overcome all the things that keep us from pursuing those God-given dreams in our lives. I don't know about you, but broken friendships have definitely held me back at times from pursuing this call on my life, which is exactly why I brought on today's guest, Mary DeMuth. Mary's written several books, 36 to be exact, and her most recent one that just launched October 2nd is called The Seven Deadly Friendships, How to Heal When Painful Relationships Eat Away at Your Joy. Stay tuned until the end of the show to hear how you can enter to win a copy of this book. I know this is a topic we can all relate to, so let's jump right into my conversation with Mary. Hey, Mary, how are you? Hey, it's great to be here. I'm good. It's so good to have you on here. I, whenever I connected to you back at our, what was that, the Writers Mastermind Group? Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was so fun. And I um, always followed you online and known and read several of your books. But um, when you get to meet somebody in person, it's like takes it to a whole new level. So really excited that the listeners get to meet you today. Well, I'm excited to meet them. (laughs) So handshake across the airwaves. Yay. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to jump right in because we don't have much time and I have a lot of questions for you. So I want to make sure we get through as many of them as possible. Um, But before we do, I would love it if you just tell our listeners a little about yourself. Yeah, so I have old children. They're all out of the house now, 20, 22, and 25. A husband of almost 28 years. I have uh, my career is as a speaker and writer and podcaster. I have written this next book coming up is my 36th book. I had to keep counting. I've called it my 35th and my 34th and my 37th, but it's actually the 36th. And uh, which means I've been writing three books a year for the past 10, 11, 12 years. Obviously, math is not my strong suit. <laughs> and uh, I love to help people find redemption in difficult stories. And so that. That's been kind of my uh, modus operandi over the years. I write both nonfiction and fiction, and I also really, really love to cook. So that's a little sideline that most people don't know. Ooh, I did not know that about you. What's your favorite <laughs> kind of things to cook? Um, I'm actually, I really love baking, and I have this secret fantasy that I want to open up a bakery. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I love baking too, but then I also love eating the baked goods. So I have to limit <laughs> the problem. <laughs> yeah. I like I have to limit the baking sometimes, but I do. I like to cook. Um, okay, so let's just not gloss over the fact that this is your 36th book. I know we're here to talk about friendships, but that's kind of a big deal. Especially coming from a girl who my listeners know this about me. I feel led to write a book and I haven't even written one yet. 
and you're over here and you've written 36. So teach me your ways. <laughs> but really, though, I'd love to hear a little bit about how did you start writing? What was your very first book called? Right. So my first book that was published was called Ordinary Mom, Extraordinary God. And it was a devotional for moms in 2005. And it's actually one of my best selling books, which is kind of funny and ironic to me. So started off in that mommy space, uh, spent about a decade writing unpublished words for years and years and really perfected the craft and uh, worked really hard on that. And then when my kids started going to preschool and uh, elementary school, I finally had that time to sit down and finish books. So I, after I wrote my first book, it was a novel that enabled me to get a literary agent. And then I began publishing from that point on about three books a year. Wow. Did you ever have any mindset blocks when it came to writing and publishing books or did it just kind of flow easily for you? I did have some negative feedback about one of the, the first novel that I wrote, and it caused me to shut down a little bit. And then I talked to a mentor friend of mine, which is just the importance of having a mentor in your life. And she kind of talked me off the edge. And from that point on, I learned to trust myself. And just because I'd written for years up until that point, I knew that I had a talent, but I also knew that I worked really hard at it. And so that has empowered me to keep going. Now, do I doubt myself and do I stress out some days when I'm in front of a blank page? Yes, absolutely. That happens to everybody. Um, but it's like a muscle and you're really good at this because you're super in shape. Um, it's like a muscle. You just keep doing it. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. And the farther away you get from it. Like when I go for a run after a couple of days of not running, I'm like, oh yeah, those muscles. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it's a muscle. You keep using it. You get better at it. Well, you answered a question I was going to ask as you were talking, you basically gave that piece of advice about the importance of a mentor, because I know we all come up against stumbling blocks, what it may not be writing, it could be something different for everybody. But just like you said, that negative feedback can almost paralyze us at times. So would that be your main tip is to make sure you have people that you surround yourself with that can help talk you off that ledge? Yeah, a writer's group is really important and um, started going to those before I was published and that really helped. Uh, the mentor I spoke of actually came about a supernatural way. I was sitting next to this lady who I'd never met before at a church that I'd never gone to before. And we'd, they invited us to a potluck and my husband was going to seminary and we were super poor. And so of course we said mm -hmm. yes to the potluck. So I'm sitting with this lady and she asked me the question, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I don't know her from Adam. I don't know who she is. And I have this internal battle about whether I should answer her question. Cause what I really want to be is a writer. Hmm. So I fight myself internally and finally just let it come out. I want to be a writer. And she turned to me and she said, do you know that one of my passions in life is to mentor new writers? Mm. Turns out she was a professor at uh, Dallas Seminary and she'd written nonfiction and fiction and she took me under her literary wing. And that is probably the reason I fly today was that early mentorship. Oh my goodness. I love that. Wow. Okay. So I could clearly pick your brain for the next half hour just on writing, but <laughs> that's not why I brought you on. So we'll just go ahead and make it official. I'll have to bring you on a second time and we'll talk all about writing yes, and different you. things because um, we could have gone a bunch of different directions today. But the direction I felt God wanted us to go was you have a new book coming out and it is all about friendship, right? It is. And it's called, it's kind of a sad title, but it's got popsicles on the cover. So that kind of softens it. It's called The Seven Deadly Friendships. The subtitle is How to Heal When Painful Relationships Eat Away at Your Joy. 
And yeah, that was a, a, I'm feeling pretty naked right now. So your listeners, if they would be willing just to say a very quick prayer for me, I would greatly appreciate it because this is an extremely vulnerable book, as you can imagine. And it's just, I'm feeling a little scared to get it out there, honestly. So pray, please pray for me. Well, it is so needed. We will for sure pray for you. And I want to just, uh, you know, share with the people listening in with you, it's interesting about this book. So what's the official release date for this book? October 1st or 2nd, it's gone back and forth, okay. right around the 1st of yeah, October. Yeah, so by the time this airs, it will just release, literally like the week this is going to air. So you guys will be, so if you're listening Pray right now, <laughs> yes, you're listening, this is also God's cue to cover Mary. And what's really cool about this book was I did not know you were working on it and you'd reached out to me about it and I had literally that morning was on, if anybody knows what Voxer is, I was on a Voxer message with somebody and we were talking about a friendship situation, like how to deal with this. And then I was just like, Lord, I literally had gotten off that message. I was like, Lord, please teach me. Like, I you know, I don't even know, you know, just teach me. And then I got this message from you. And what's cool is, you know, I, as you all know, and especially my listeners, you guys know, I love social media and on Instagram and Facebook, I'm, you know, very active on there. And when I shared about your book, I got so many messages from women who said, oh, I need that book. How do I get the book? Like already (laughs) freaking out and it hasn't released. But what that says to me, and that's why I wanted to talk about this topic on the podcast is it says, okay, you have absolutely struck a chord of something that we all can relate to. But just like you said, it's one of those real talk topics (laughs) that Mm -hmm. we are all afraid to talk about because like you said, you feel a little naked when you start talking about this type of a thing. So let's just chat a little bit about, I mean, I'm, I have so many questions about this book and your, everything you've learned about it. But one of the things I'd love to know is how did you, you picked seven, but how did you do the research for some of the friendships you discussed in this book? And also, I guess the second question, if you want to answer it with it would be, have you personally experienced all of these? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we'll just begin with that one. It was ripped from the headlines of my life. So Mm -hmm. yes, all seven, these friendships are tied to the seven deadly sins found in Proverbs six. So I tie them to scripture directly. And it makes a lot of sense that a, a deadly sin would be tied to a deadly friend. So you've got, I've named them one of them's like Narcissist Nolan and Predator Page and Conman Connor and Dramatic Drake and among others. And um, so the research actually came from just lots of reading. And then also, as I said before, ripped from the headlines of my own life. And I didn't know going into it that I would have experienced all seven, but I did as it comes you know, to the end of it, I have. And I've also been some of those seven, which is part of the interesting part of the book is I don't believe that all the people out there are the seven deadly friendships and I'm the perfect one, but that we all have mess and we all can evaluate ourselves in light of scripture and find out when we've been toxic as well. So um, a lot of the stories in there are either mine, a lot of mine will headline a chapter, but throughout the chapter, there will be stories from people all over the world who have had friendship problems. Wow, that's so good. I love that you tied those into those seven sins. And I'm curious if there's any of those, I guess I call them characters, but really any of the sin characters represented that you can most relate to. 
Yeah, I wrote about that a little bit in the book. So one of the ones I can relate to, and I wish I didn't, but I am definitely a dramatic Drake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can I can let life overwhelm me very much and kind of get to the place where I will run to everybody other than Jesus and tell them all my problems. And I can be really dramatic about it. Another one I struggle with is, although I fight against it constantly, um, I was raised in a very narcissistic home, and so that is my fallback: is to you know fall into thinking only about myself, which just makes me sad. But that's one of the ones that I have to be very cautious of. A lot of my friends would not think that about me, but since I am pretty hypercritical of myself, I would say that I struggle with that. Yeah, and then and the flip side of that coin, which one of those characters do you feel like has wounded you the most? Yeah, that's really easy. So growing up, as I mentioned, I was raised by someone who is narcissistic and someone who is predatory. And what I found was in my um, junior high, high school and beyond life, I was attracting narcissistic predators or predatory narcissists. And what I was doing was I was trying to complete a story that I couldn't complete. And the story was, I want someone who's a predatory person or a narcissistic person to love me. I want my parents to love me. And so I would seek those people out thinking that if that predatory person could love me or that narcissistic person could love me, then I could prove that I was lovable to my parents. And what I've learned throughout a long period of time and counsel and prayer is that I've got to let Jesus complete that story And when he does, then I no longer have this need to complete the story with other people. Mm. And that has caused so much health in my life over the past couple of years that I'm much better about seeing predatory people or narcissistic people. In fact, I was at a conference once and there was this guy teaching and I wrote down narcissists at the top of my notes because I just knew that's what he was. And I should not engage with that man. So, you know, you just learn throughout the years of what your weak spots are. And that's mine. This is so amazing. I wrote, I wrote that down. What you just said, Jesus must complete the story so that I won't have that need to complete it with other people because I've recognized that same thing in myself. And I think everybody listening would say, yes, me too. In that you walk away from a certain friendship because you're like, Ooh, that wasn't healthy. And then whoop, that same type of thing kind of pops back up in a different person. Mm -hmm. And then you start to kind of look at your track record of friendships and you're like, huh, this is interesting, you know, and it makes you realize, okay, why do I keep being attracted to the same type of people? And I feel like you just hit the nail on the head with that. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of embarrassing to admit how many years that I did that, but it's, it's a really great hurdle to jump over is to really say, okay, Jesus, I am broken. A lot of times it has to do with your childhood. I'm broken by these people in my life that were not what I needed them to be back then. But you said, even if you know, your mother or father forsake you, that the Lord's going to hold you close. So you are the good parent, and I'm going to trust you to complete that story. I want to take a moment to share about a faith-based premium apparel company that gives back to charities with every order that I absolutely adore called Glory Active. If you follow me on social media, you know I love to exercise and teach group fitness classes. And when I'm not exercising, I like to be comfortable, but still cute. Glory Active is a company that fuses faith with activewear to make a super soft clothing line I know you'll love as much as I do. Right now, my listeners can get $10 off your first order of $25 or more on gloryactive.com when you use code FIRSTORDER10. Again, you'll get $10 off using FIRSTORDER10, and that's first 
and order and the number 10 on gloryactive.com. So don't miss out. It's only for a limited time. I personally live in their slouchy tees, their tanks and capris. So I'm excited for you to give them a try at gloryactive.com. So how do you recognize in a person, just like you said, whenever you heard that man speaking, you immediately recognize it in him. I know that doesn't come naturally for us to recognize those traits in other people. How did you begin to recognize or know the warning signs of the red flags for yourself? Yeah, I would read books like The Sociopath Next Door and uh, (laughs) just do a lot of, even studying through Proverbs was really helpful for me too, just kind of seeing what kinds of traits there are. So I make it really easy for you in the book. I give lists uh, for every predatory, narcissistic, con man friend. I give you like several checklists to go, okay, I don't know if they're a predator or not, but here's a list of traits. And then you can, it can help you to get people. That's so good. Okay. So again, people just need to read your book so that they can begin to recognize all these seven different characters, if you will, and then be able to, you know, identify them. But for now, since people, as we're talking, listening, people have not yet read it. um, What do you think are some practical ways that women, so Let me figure out the best way to explain this question to you. Um, I got this question from a listener, and she just was talking about how, and I can relate to this, is that we all want to be good friends to each other, yet because of just like what you mentioned, we're all messed up, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like we're all a work in progress. Even if we're born again believers, we're all still kind of hashing out our things. What are some practical ways that we as women in particular can be good friends to each other? That's a really great question. I think the the number one thing is to become an, an incredible listener. We just don't do it anymore. It's mm-hmm. just not something our society does. We shout at each other on social media, but we don't sit across from one another and really ask clarifying questions. And then to be willing to hear hard words and say, hey, I want to be a good friend. Just be super honest about it. I really want to be a good friend. I've had some friendship failures in the past. Is there some way, maybe you can tell me your love language or whatever. Is there a way that you feel the most loved? How can I pray for you today? How can I love you today? Um, Is there anything I'm doing that really puts you off? Is there something that, you know, gives you a catch in your spirit when we interact? I would really love to know that. And so that kind of circle is really great. Now, if you're asking that of someone who's predatory, it can be a pretty bad situation. So that's where your discernment meter has to come up. But if you have a genuinely good friendship with someone and there's a mutuality there, I think in that circle of honesty and willingness to hear some hard things and willingness to listen to someone else's heart, you're going to grow that friendship really beautifully. Yeah. So if somebody was reading your book and maybe they have a friendship that immediately pops up whenever they read the the predatory chapter or, or any of them, but let's just use that for an example. And they recognize, oh, that's friendship I have. Yeah, that's what's happening here. Do you recommend that they do that, that you have a confrontational situation <laughs> or is it, oh, this is just the sign I'm supposed to walk away from this person? Yeah, it's, it's in varying degrees throughout the book. So Typically, with someone who's predatory or hyper narcissistic, the answer is to walk away. 
there's some nuance to that, of course, but there's some of the other ones where people are just unreliable or dramatic. And these are things that you can absolutely work through. So I try to give the reader kind of an idea of when it's worth it to keep going and when it's time to cut bait. And cutting bait really involves how you feel around that person. Like, Mm. how do they make you feel? And do you walk away with like this heaviness and this like heart racing and like you always feel shamed when you're around that person or you never can measure up and there's just this dread every time you're around them. These are some really good emotional indications that something is not quite right with the relationship. That's such wisdom. What's interesting about this too is that, you know, I have three kids and I already see, even just this week, I had a situation where one of my kids had their feelings hurt because friendships, I mean, it starts so young and it makes me wonder the mere fact that it even starts young. I mean, as, as little as kindergarten and earlier, the weird friendship dynamics going on. Why do you think that it does start so young? And I mean, I feel like what's the root of this situation? Well, it, of course, it always goes back to sin, but um, I kind of watched it in all my kids, and it kind of started in the third grade, the you're not my best friend anymore, you can't come to my birthday party kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people don't evolve from that place. Mm-hmm. So we're, you know, in our circles, we're still seeing you're not my best friend anymore, you can't come to my party. So, you know, some people just don't mature after a certain age, and we're still battling it. But really, it comes down to... When you're young, you're trying to figure out who am I and who am I in relation to a group. And when there's sin and when there's insecurity, that's when things start exploding because the insecurity, which is normal in children, is going to ask, where do I belong? And when someone doesn't allow you to belong, then there's some really great pain that goes on there. But like I said, it continues on. I still get sad when I don't belong to something. It's it's just part of life, but it's not exactly the most fun part <laughs> of life. Yeah. And how about this situation? And I feel like I'm sure everybody might have a little bit different idea of the whole uninvited thing. I recently was put in a just a a little bit of a weird situation with my kids and that the whole birthday party thing Mm -hmm. um you know sometimes they'll only invite a couple people but then they'll tell the kids oh not everybody's coming so don't tell everybody oh that whole thing you know like we need to keep this a secret and it struck me wrong as the mom because i'm thinking i'm not gonna ask my kid to lie but you know, just like you said, these little elementary school things that happen, we still see it happening in all of us adults. And we're all, you know, we also get our feelings hurt when, oh, I didn't get invited and you guys tried to keep it from me. Like that, it just gets so weird. And I don't even know what my question is in this other than what's the best way to handle. I personally feel like we should be more upfront with people, you know, not hiding mm-hmm. things and being shady. But um, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> Well, I would agree with you. Being honest is the best. And I think social media makes it harder. So Mm -hmm. we might need to be a little more cautious about, you know, our exclusive little parties that we have um, or groups. And a lot of times that that can't be helped. Like there'll be somebody else at the party that takes a picture. And, you know, I think that's where honest conversations and honest 
friendships come in. If someone comes to me and says, I'm really sad I wasn't invited to that, or you were there and I wasn't, uh, is to just really empathize and say, yeah, I've had that happen to me before too. And I can see why that would hurt your feelings. And, you know, if it's not your fault, you don't need to apologize for it, but, um, just to listen and dignify it and say, yeah, that's hard. But then on the other flip side of that is this is a difficult life and not everybody can come to the party. So, Mm -hmm. um, I can't afford to throw a party for 500 people. So, (laughs) that's going to happen. And we have to learn how to find our security in Jesus Christ. So if our security, and I've said this before in other places, if our security is based on something that can be taken away from us, aka an invitation or being part of a specific group, then we're going to be living on a, a constant false edge of security. We must find our security first in Christ, and then he will help us weather those slights that we experience on this earth. All right. Give me a moment while I write down that phrase, because that's amazing. And I want to remember it about our, if our security is on something that can be taken away. Wow. That is powerful. And that is such a great teachable thing for me to use for myself and to pass on to my kids when they come Mm -hmm. to me about these kinds of things that obviously are devastating and especially, you know, to a young kid, but even uh, like I said, it doesn't go away, the devastation. So Mm -hmm. no matter how old you are, it still Mm -mm. strikes you. But that's such great wisdom. So I had asked on social media, for those of you who listen to the podcast, to give me some questions for Mary. And I got several great ones. One that I thought was very interesting that I would love to bring up right now is, so how do you handle it? So we'll go back to these character traits that you mentioned in the book. So let's say, for example, somebody discovers that, hey, this friendship is not healthy. We need to separate, you know, and not not be in this friendship anymore. So the the question the listener asked was, how do you handle it when a friendship you thought was a lifelong friendship ends, but mm. your lives are still intertwined with church, school, neighborhood, all these things? Then how do you handle that part? I definitely have had that happen to me a couple times, and it's super awkward. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, I don't know how to remove the awkwardness from that, where I would be walking my kids to school and I'd see that mom. And this was a, this particular mom was a predatory person and had done some pretty crazy things to the extent that I was experiencing PTSD in the aftermath of what she did. So it was a pretty traumatic thing. Every time I saw her, I would have this like frightening feeling in my body, this tension and stress And I guess, I I mean, I just had to go through it because there was no, I couldn't move away. I couldn't, you know, change churches. I couldn't, we weren't going to do that. So it's a matter of holding your head up high and being kind in the moment, saying hi, but guarding your heart and being cautious about jumping back in. Because sometimes if you're with a friend and you just miss all of that and you feel like, part of your heart is out there naked and someone knows all these secrets about you and yet they won't talk to you. It's really a hard place to be, but it's most likely not wise to jump back in. Even if you feel like, well, that was really good for a time. You have to remember that for another period of time, it was damaging to you. And so to hold your head up high, to dialogue about it with your spouse and to dialogue with Jesus about it and a trusted friend that may not be connected. You don't want to triangulate. So maybe you have a friend in another state or a friend in another circle and you just talk with them about it so they can give you an outsider's perspective. That's such wisdom. It's interesting you bring up triangulate because I'm in uh, grad school right now. We were talking a lot about triangles and relationships and how we're constantly bringing people into triangles that should not be in part of our triangle. And so 
I love that advice to definitely bring Jesus into that and trusted counsel who is supposed to, you know, listen to you about those types of situations. So that's great advice. Uh, One thing I would love to do is we've talked about two of the um, deadly friendships. And obviously, you know, like I said, people will need to actually read the book to get the detailed stuff. But I would love it if you would just I'm going to throw some of these out there. And if you would kind of summarize them like you did the other. So unreliable Uma. Yeah. So she's someone you can't count on. She's a fair weather friend. Uh, She says she'll help you move, but she doesn't. (laughs) Mm, Okay. How about con man Connor? So this can be an actual con man. And we, when we moved to France, we sold our home to someone we met in church and uh, he was a con man and we lost everything. Mm -hmm. So I, I did talk about that, but there's also people in your life that you never really were friends with, but suddenly they find you on social media and they want you to buy all of their products. And that's a, (laughs) that's a form of con man Connor where someone looks at you only with dollar signs instead of friendship. Woo. Preach. Preach. I get that one a lot. Uh, (laughs) Tempter Trevor. So that's a a friendship that tempts you to walk away from the things of God and constantly does it and wants to undermine. Another way to look at it is if you feel like um, they're not bringing out the best in you and you're constantly finding yourself slipping after you've been around them, then they are a tempter friend. How about faker Fiona? So she's that Instagram queen who appears one thing on the, um, in the social media world, but is entirely something different, um, in her real life. I was talking recently to a speaker at a conference I was at and he was like, yeah, I'm a motivational speaker, like in the business realm. He goes, it was the weirdest thing to go backstage and see how these people actually were in their real lives. And he said it, it shipwrecked me for a while because they were saying all these like motivational, awesome things from the stage. And then they were just being awful behind the stage, behind the curtain. And I think that's a really good picture for us of people who want to present a particular thing. It's kind of fake, but in real life, they just can't engage on a real level. And it's a barrier to intimacy for sure. Yeah, so I'm going to pause on that one before I move on and say that that is a really big deal to me. Um, That actually kind of shook me up when I first got into ministry and different environments when I would really look up to somebody online and then I met them in person and I'm like, oh, you're not who I thought you were. That makes me so sad. And so then it made me be on my own little personal mission. And even to this day, I still really try to check my heart before the Lord When I just earlier this week, I had lost my temper with one of my kids and I was like, okie dokie, that means I have to step away from the internet until I can be the same person, the same happy, you know, bubbly, like you said, positive, motivational person online or in my home than I am online. And so that's something that's a really big deal to me that I don't ever want people to online get the best of me and then my family gets all the leftovers and, you know, whatever's left at the end of the day. And so that one's a really, really big deal to me. And I don't know, maybe if you have any advice on how do we tell, you know, we're following a lot of people online today and sometimes it's a little bit scary how much we follow people online without mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. knowing them. But how do we discern that online? Is there a way to without knowing, really knowing somebody? I think people are really good at presenting a beautiful facade. And so it is not easy to figure that out. I'm reminded of the story of the Potemkin village, which was this 
this village in Russia, Tsarist Russia, and this guy named Potemkin decides that he wants, when the Tsar comes through, he wants to show that his town is the best. So they create this facade of a town, and it's just like a Hollywood set. So on the front of it, it looks like you've got like a bakery and all these places. But if you open the door, there's just dirt on the other side. There's just a field. And I think it's a really apt metaphor for us. We can dress up the facade, but you open the door and walk on through and there's nothing on the other side. And really, you only find that out by interacting with real humans in real life. That's how you find that out. Yeah, so true. Okay, and the last one is Dramatic Drake. Yeah, so this is someone who... um, I I probably don't even need to really explain it, but um, they're super dramatic. They tend to like, if they love a TV show, then everybody has to love it. They are the ones that get into extreme Facebook fights and Mm -hmm. like go on and on. And they've got really long feeds because people are going back and forth and back and forth. And in real life, they constantly like wherever they go, they have drama or even if there is no drama, they create it because they just can't seem to live without it. (laughs) If that makes sense. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. I know when I was reading all these different ones, it's so that whole, I can see the speck in my brother's Mm -hmm. eye, my sister's eye, but I can't see the plank lodged in my own because I could, on each one of these, I was like one person immediately, you know, not the same person Mm -hmm. for each one, but, uh, but you can immediately think, oh yeah, I know that one. Uh Uh-huh. I know that one. Uh And then I had to stop myself and be like, wait, Lord, which one, (laughs) which one do I have character traits of too? You know, so (laughs) check myself. Okay, well, so before we get off, I've got two more things that I want us to do. First of all, I would love for you to tell people where can they connect with you or where can they find you online? Yeah, so um, marydemuth.com is probably the easiest. Uh, If they want to take a quiz and find out which deadly friendship they're in, they can go to the number seven deadlyfriendships.com. So seven deadly friendships, but with the number seven, and there's a free quiz to find out, you know, which one you're experiencing. Um, also have a podcast called pray every day. And that's where I pray you through scripture verse by verse. And so if you're really feeling lonely and you feel like no one in the world is praying for you, I will be praying for you. You can find that, but yeah, everywhere uh, it's just married to me. So at married to me and Facebook, author married a youth, blah, 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 blah. Boring, boring, boring. But that's where I'm found. Hey, but it's easy. So that's yes. good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And the last thing I would love for us to do, and by the way, everybody listening again, I always tell you this and I'm going to tell you it every time. If you're driving, don't freak. I'll put this in the show notes. So <laughs> yes, exactly. no, no getting your phones out or doing something stupid. But I want to finish with, you know, I know you, you have a podcast that just like you said, you pray every day. I would love if, because I know that there are for sure 100% people listening today who uh, this particular topic of friendship struck a nerve with them. Maybe they're already just, like I said, I received lots of messages. By the way, those of you who send me messages, I really do personally try to respond to each one of those. And so I want to just say, I'm so sorry to those of you who shared Mm. with me your stories of broken friendships, because I can relate. This is a topic I don't think I've never met anybody who has not had pain from friendships. It's just universal. And so I would love, Mary, if you would just finish us off today by praying over the listeners on wherever they are um, in their in their walk with other people and the Lord with um, this area of friendship. 
Yes, let's do that. Jesus, thank you for uh, for today, for loving us, for being the best friend that we need, for completing our broken stories so that we don't have to run around trying to make other people complete those stories. And thank you, too, that brokenness and a broken friendship is actually an avenue to grow. Uh, help us to see it that way proactively instead of negatively. And Lord, for those who are in really hard places with friends, I pray that you would give discernment today, even as I'm praying this, about what avenue you want them to take. I don't want to prescribe what that's going to look like, Lord, but you know exactly what is best for each relationship. Some of us need to walk away. Some of us need to dig back in. Some of us need to ask for forgiveness. Some of us need to um, express our hearts in a way that are, that are understood. And so, Lord, I pray for wisdom as to which that would be. Um, I pray for the brokenhearted people out there who have experienced a friend breakup. And Lord, there are books about divorce recovery, but there aren't friendship breakup books. Mm. <laughs> and Lord, it's such a hard thing. And, and just knowing that there's someone out there that you've been vulnerable to who now holds your life and your secrets, and yet um, you're no longer connected. It feels really painful. It does feel like a friendship divorce. So Lord, would you just be the salve to our wounds? Um, would you speak life into those places? And Lord, your scripture says, as far as it depends on us, be at peace with all men. So Lord, show us what we can do to remedy and um, fix those relationships, but also help us to remember that we can't fix another person, that we can only do what we can do on our side. And so Lord, we just lift up our relationships with you right now, um, our relationships with you and our relationship with each other. And we place them in your hands for those who are panicky about it, who are freaked and scared or feel unloved or overlooked or uninvited. I pray your Holy Spirit would just, oh, just speak life over them, health, uh, growth, um, peace, and love, uh, all the fruits of the Spirit, just a plenty. Be with us today and help us to worship you more in the way that we love our friends. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wow. Mary is full of so much wisdom. I could have talked to her for hours. You're going to want to be sure to pick up her book because it's full of wisdom and truth. I get the privilege of giving away two copies of her new book, The Seven Deadly Friendships. And so to enter, you can head to my Instagram at Rachel J. Gilbert or Facebook at Rachel Joy Gilbert or just enter an iTunes review right here. All right, friends, that's it for today. I will see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel. Have a blessed day.